probably the first thing I learned was like um, fall in love with the process and the work, mm. you know? And then in, in that way, like no matter how the end result goes, it's worth it because like I love each marathon buildup I do. I love like challenging myself and I love like all, the whole grind. And so even when like probably most of my marathons, like I fell short of like what I wanted or what I expected out of myself, but I still like, I wouldn't have changed anything. Like I loved the journey getting there. How do we become our best and live a life of meaning and purpose? In a world where the constant focus is on fixing what's wrong with us, we want to highlight what is right and good about you to help you live out your best every day. Hi, I'm Eloise Wellings. And I'm Rory Darkins. And this is What's Right Within. Hello and welcome back, or if it is your first time today, welcome to What's Right Within. So excited about this episode, Eloise. Me uh, too. Who, yeah, tell us about today. Um, well, super excited about this next guest. She is a world-class marathon runner. Uh, she has an had an incredible career so far and just recently has had one of her best performances of her career, placing second in the London Marathon in a personal best time of two hours, 22 minutes, um, which is just flying. She's also a mum of four girls and more than what she does um, and the roles that she plays in her life, she's just an all-around great human. And we're going to go deep and find out who Sarah Hall is uh, through journeying through her highs and lows and find out who she has become um, as a person and athlete and the athlete that she is today. So Sarah, thanks so much for coming on the show. How, how are you going? Thanks for having me, guys. It feels good. I love training. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so, what's um? You've obviously just recovering from the London Marathon. What has that been like? Talk us through. Like, I know that your husband has coined you as being like a world class recoverer as well from a marathon. What does that look like? Well, it's it's been kind of a fun journey of, um, <clears throat> like in my very first marathon, I ended up. Uh, it was kind of a disaster, and but I ended up trying to rebound and run World Cross Country 13 days later because uh, I was kind of just like, ah, oh, man, I had all this great training. Like, I want to use it for something. I don't want to take a break. And and so ever since then, um, I, I it just kind of opened my mind to, like, maybe not having the marathon always be a hard stop in your season. And, um, and I think sometimes it definitely needs to be, like, <clears throat> mentally and physically, like, you need the break then. But, um, but I was really excited to take advantage of another marathon opportunity in my home state of Arizona on December 20th. So it was 11 weeks after London. And um, so I, I was just kind of keeping an open mind to see how my body would feel. And, and thankfully, my muscles recovered probably the best of any marathon so far. Um, but it, it's taken my heart rate a little bit longer to come back to normal. It's not quite normal yet. And I'm a little over two weeks. Um, out and which which makes sense like I really like dug deep at the end of that one and um, and then there's like the travel back from London and and then you're going like kind of in vacation mode yeah, and all this stuff yeah. so yeah it kind of makes sense so um so kind of keeping an eye on that but also starting to to train hard again yeah that's cool I mean you like you talk about the 
closing the gap, I guess, between races and between marathons and then your next race. I feel like you have totally pioneered this new idea of being open to not having such a massive break after a marathon. And as you say, like you've, you've obviously got to listen to your body and, um, but you've shown, I feel like you've shown us all what's possible in terms of, you know, running a marathon and then having a race in quick succession afterwards and being able to actually run well, like not just doing a race and lining up and, you know, getting some appearance money, but actually performing off the back of uh, performing well off the back of a marathon. Thanks. Yeah. It's been kind of fun to like, I'm kind of an outside the box thinker when it comes to my training. And I think especially as you get older, you, um, you start to become less inhibited, right? Like you care less what other people think and you do like more unconventional things. And, um, and so, yeah, definitely the first few times I did it, like it was, people were like, you're crazy. And like the USA track and field people didn't want me to come to world cross. They were like trying to talk me out of it, but then I ended up being like the top performer of any of the US teams. And um, and so I think like, it's been fun to see other athletes now do similar things. And I think like, just kind of opening people's minds, it's been fun to, to see that. Yeah, it's, it's been really fun to, I mean, watching you guys, uh, you and Ryan along your journey. And I mean, one of the, the things that stands out to me in your build up to London, you'll probably remember this is that there was a super windy day when you were doing a workout and, and Ryan was shuttling you back. He was allowing you to run with a tailwind so you could just absolutely hammer these reps and then drive you back to the beginning um, and then be able to do the next rep. And it just makes sense. You're, you're able to move your legs faster. Um, and you're not wasting energy trying to basically push a truck home into the wind. But a lot of athletes would do it, do it the opposite way, would do it into a headwind and, you know, try and fight because, you know, you've got to be, you know, it's, it's just a different mentality. And I love that you, you guys kind of, um, you're not afraid to think outside the box. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it definitely, it's been fun. Like, I think that's one of the upsides of having your husband as a coach is that, <laughs> um like he under like he understands me and kind of my risk taker side with like doing different stuff and I've always been a little bit had like a crazy streak in me like ever since like getting into the sport like I would just do crazy stuff like no one would do as like a young little bit rogue kid and (laughs) yeah totally and so he like he gets that part of me and he's kind of like that too and but I think there's also like mutual trust where he he trusts me to listen to my body and like communicate if something's like too much or like um and so I think I think I'm able to do a lot more outside the box things than someone else might let me do if I was working with a coach that wasn't my husband um and I think just because of like a combination of our personalities but also just like maybe too because I can just convince him in some cases to to do (laughs) weird stuff No one else would would go for. Yeah. Sarah, that is one of the questions that I had for you. Um, what and that is what is what has it been like having your husband um also be your coach and and you know, how have you how have you both navigated that in terms of like creating a really healthy um relationship on both both senses? Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. Like it was a really smooth transition at first um and Ryan had always been a part of like my marathon career 
and it was only a couple of marathons that he didn't coach me. Like I was still working with um, a, like a different coach at the time. And, but he, Ryan was kind of involved in like helping guide, like writing the training. And uh, it was kind of like a collaboration. And, and so it felt really natural um, to move into working with him. But I think what was kind of more challenging was him, like that transition of him becoming my coach also coincided with him retiring. And then he was like, now like taking a bigger support role in my career Mm -hmm. and uh and I think that was a harder transition and still is for him I would say um because like for most of the years before that like it was kind of the other way around like I was very much um invested in his career and like he was like the one setting American records and like running really really amazing and so and I was kind of struggling during some of those periods. And so I was kind of like, well, I need to like pick up the slack and just support him and like do the things that like need to get done and stuff. <clears throat> so I think he was kind of used to that. And then now like it kind of switched. <laughs> and, mm. um, so, um, and I think almost even more extreme, right? Because like he was actually retired. So whereas I was still competing, like I, I would still be doing my own workouts and like he, he had a different coach. Someone was helping him with his workouts. Whereas now like he was fully like out at all my training and like, so like even more invested than I was in his career. And so, yeah, I, I would say that's it's not sustainable. I would say like, I would say it works for now and it's for a season, but you know, ideally I think we want to be like equally supporting each other and in, in our stuff. And, and I'm still always trying to figure out ways like, to support what he has going on and like some of his his main things it's kind of hard for me to like do that um besides can you spot like him in the gym <laughs> well that's what i'm saying i'm like <laughs> i can go in there and like cheer you on but like it'd be kind of weird you know can you I, spot I, his chest press that's what i'm asking <laughs> <laughs> no 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 there's no doing that for sure oh, i mean one time one time he was like asked me to take a video and like he was struggling to get a weight up and I was like I just started yelling at him like up 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 and and then he was able to get it up and and I was like and he was like oh that helped me so much like having you yell at me and so uh, <laughs> I, I felt good to like you know for one time I was able to actually like do something but uh usually yeah I'm not like the cheerleader in the gym too much. <laughs> it's so yeah. it's so funny and um Sarah honest it's what an amazing achievement you recently, uh, you know, your recent run at the London Marathon. And, you know, it was one of those, um, one of those moments in sport. Hey, I know Eloise is. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's been dubbed as the race that made people cry. And I was <laughs> guilty of that. I cried when you were running and I was yelling at the same time. I was, we were staying at, we we're on holidays Hello. at my sister-in-law's house and the whole thing, like I was sitting, I just, I got away from all of the kids and everyone because I just wanted to watch the last half an hour. Um, and when you started screaming down that home straight, I was screaming and crying oh, at the same thanks. time at my at my iPhone. I was watching it on my phone, and everyone comes running in, freaking out, um, and watched it with me. And you know, Johnny and I were so 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 happy for you. Um, yeah, I just I guess one of the things that I, I want to know, um, well, I guess there's two things. Um, but the first thing is what, what were you thinking when, when you 
were in no man's land when you were basically in the wilderness of two packs after four was it four kilometers um of the race and you know a windy day raining terrible conditions what were you thinking at that at that point um when you you were out there on your own yeah i'd like to say i was really like dialed in but i i definitely wasn't like i was bummed because honestly that's not like really my strength like i'm not really good at running alone and like time trialing like i'm more of a competitor and like how but i clearly you are sport. <laughs> <laughs> well i just like uh, yeah I, w- I would like to be like someone like ryan where you could just like plop him on a bike path and he'd probably be able to run pretty close to like what he could run in like a race atmosphere you know yeah and uh i was Im- i like was impressed by that but i think how i race like growing up like i would always be like last at the mile and kind of like working my way up the whole race and like finishing like kind of like that race and so that was kind of just i don't know i was never like a huge front runner and stuff so i think uh so yeah i you know i was like I was like, oh, here we go. And I was especially bummed because we were supposed to have a second rabbit, but she was going like backwards at mile four. Well, she had been like tucked in behind the first pack, like the whole first four miles and then like started to go lack quickly go backwards. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a bummer. So I was hoping to at least work with her. But then once I realized we couldn't stick together, like I was like, all right, this is it. Like you're venturing out now. Like this could be a really long time of running alone. And, um yeah i i had thoughts of like maybe i should like see who's behind me and like see if we should work together and stuff but i'm really glad i i just felt really good so i was like you know what i'm just gonna keep trying to maintain this pace like the best i can um and just like tried to like focus on the next turn and like focus on my breathing focus on just having quick feet like um just just lots of mind tricks just trying to encourage yourself yeah, and I think that's what's um so interesting to me from the sort of mental skills point of view. I think so relevant for our audience, whether they, you know, run or not, is when things don't go to plan and you you're kind of suddenly in the thick of something and it's not what you'd imagined, you know, like the the people that are supposed to be helping you aren't really helping you and the conditions aren't what you hope they would be and I'm also aware that your watch was not working properly and so you didn't even <laughs> yeah. have a reliable um, guide in terms of how you were progressing. And it's like, I think what's fascinating to, to explore, um, you know, for our audience is like, how do we adapt in the moment like that when things aren't going our way and how do we, how do we use those mind tricks, as you say, um, what would you say to people based on, on that in terms of, um, how to get the best out of yourself when things are just not working out the way that you thought they should. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Cause I forgot kind of the key part that, um, you know, there were moments I would lapse into like feeling sorry for myself. Like, man, this is like the worst possible place to be in a marathon. Like, and I, I think it was hard as like with such a small loop, I couldn't even see the top group for a lot of that time. So it was like literally like no visual, like no sound, no crowd. Mm um like just like this the echo of my footsteps like that quiet um and until like the one kind of home stretch there was speakers and like like ryan was there and and there was some like stimulation but like the rest of it was just like so quiet 
Which I was, I was really worried about mentally, honestly, because I'd never run a, a marathon a long race. And like, one, I'd never run in circles for a marathon in miles, mile loops. And then two, like, never run in like total silence running in circles. And um, like, I don't race on the track, really. Mm-hmm. I haven't run in like uh, four years or so. And partly, it's like, I kind of find it boring running in circles. So yeah. I think like, I was a little bit worried that, wow, we're going to be running like five times the amount of time is like a track 10k you know in like circles but um anyways all that to say there are moments of like feeling sorry for myself that like man this is like so quiet and like no one around but then I would really like catch myself in those moments and be like wow it's such a blessing to be able to race right now like to run a world marathon major at a time when no other races are happening like Mm -hmm. this is like such a gift to Mm -hmm. be here and like like don't feel sorry for yourself like like you are lucky to have this opportunity mm-hmm. and kind of like slap myself a little bit you know yeah. and yeah. um I, I think that that really helps keeping me moving forward that that gratitude um so i'd say that like definitely find something to be grateful for um find find things that are feeling good like maybe maybe you are struggling like your breathing's heavy or something but it's like oh, but like my clothes feel really good or mm. fresh still or something, you know? And like, I was focused on that. Like, like, man, I, I still feel really strong. Like my legs, like, I don't feel like I can maintain this like the whole time. And I'm, and, um, and yeah, so yeah, the watch thing was really weird. Everyone's across all different brands. Um, everyone was having, like showing they were running a lot faster than the marks were saying. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, that was kind of interesting. And, so yeah, I chucked that to Ryan, but then, but then didn't know like where I was at in the race and like, like so what, 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 point at? Like, you, what point did you throw, throw your watch to Ryan? When was that I in the race? 10 miles or so. Okay. Um, and then so did yeah, it change, I thought, like, did, did it change your, the way that you were thinking after that? Like if you. Like you all of a yeah. sudden went from not really trusting what the watch was saying, but then you had nothing to, to go on. Like what, what happened to your yeah. headspace after you threw your watch out and you probably couldn't get it back? Yeah. You know, I think it was kind of like, um, I think probably what I threw to him is I was a little worried that, I, I don't know about you guys, but like sometimes the GPS, it'll be fast. So mine was showing, I was averaging like 514 pace when I was really averaging like, 521 or something and um and I was worried it was going to start catching up and like showing like a lot slower splits right um to try to like average out and I was like worried if I saw those I was going to get discouraged but yeah I think it did kind of help me get into just like just the rhythm of the loops you know like another loop do another loop and like Mm -hmm. not not think too much about how far you had to go like Ryan's the title of his book is run the mile you're in yeah. And that I feel like is really applicable to the marathon. It's just like focusing on the mile you're running and not thinking because a lot of times it's intimidating when you're like, I have 21 more miles, you know, but yeah. uh, if you just focus on like being present, um, it really helps. Yeah, that that's what I find fascinating. And we talk about, um, you know, flow state a lot on the show where in terms of that, that state where you feel your best you perform your best and you kind of just get so immersed in the present moment that time kind of um disappears a little bit or seems to speed up or slow down um and obviously a prerequisite to that is deep focus and i've always wondered you know when 
with obviously any runner wearing a watch, you, you kind of tend to check it a lot. And I've always wondered yeah. how much the, the constant checking of the watch can actually kind of feed the inner critic and, you know, the inner critic of, you know, judging yourself as opposed to helping as and almost get in the way of you staying present. Um, so your example is really interesting on that to say, like, did, do you think it almost helped you to, to lock into the present moment or like, what would you say? Yeah. What would you say to people about that? Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, you know, my daughter recently ran a cross country race and she was like, yeah, I got to the mile mark and I looked at my watch and the pace said like 520 and I got scared and I was like, wait, you're wearing like a GPS watch across country? Like, which like I'm sure a lot of kids like do, but I was like, I did not, I mean, GPS watches weren't even invented like until in, into my pro career, but like I did not, I don't think wear a watch out there was not like, I would look at the clock or things as we went by, but I was not like gauging, like a lot of that is like, you have to learn that and like learning to listen to your body and like fast or slow, right? Like I think there's times where you can psych yourself out if you see your slips and mm. they're like a lot faster than you've gone before, you know? But I think like in this race, like I that was definitely the fastest I've gone out in a marathon, but it felt like what it should be, you know? And I think the more you can be like dialed into just your body and training too, to like find what's the right effort level. Like Ryan's always saying that like, instead of like being married to doing a workout in a certain pace, it's like, just find the right, the right pace, you know, right level whatever of that is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. There's such wisdom. Mm. I feel like when we, when we are connected to ourselves in that way and we learn to, we connect and then from there trust ourselves, that's where so much more opens up so much more is possible, you know, as opposed to almost, I sometimes feel like, um, we create limits for ourselves by what we're the expectations of what we're used to or what we've done before, mm, as opposed totally. to taking that, putting that to one side and, and trusting yourself to, you know, to, to go and feel and to, you know, best effort. Like as Eloise always says, you know, like best effort is what I'm always looking for, you know, in a race. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah. One of the things that I loved about listening to your podcast right after the race with Ryan was that the night before you made that decision, you know, you had to make that decision to go with the faster pace in the beginning. Um, you know, you had, a, you had a decision to make to go, well, I could sit back and know that I can definitely comfortably do this pace or I can trust that I'm actually a lot further along than I have ever been before and just have a crack at it. And yeah, that's what I love that you just went, you know what? I'm like, I'm just not going to die wondering here. I'm just going to go for it. And you did. And, you know, you had to fight those demons of like during the race of being left alone, but you still managed to go at the pace that you believed that you could do. Um, and then just be so rewarded for it um, at the end. I think that that's what probably brought the emotion um, at, definitely out for me that was just like um, there's people talk about the marathon as like being such a metaphor for life challenges and, you know, the marathon can teach you so much. I mean, what, what, what do, you, do you believe that statement to be true? What, what have you learned from being a marathon runner about, about life? 
Oh, yeah, totally. So much. Um, I think, and it's like you said, so in, in this case, I was rewarded, but I think there's a lot of times where I, like you're not, you know? So I think like, like taking those risks, like um, it's, it's awesome when it all comes together and like, you're so glad, but then you have to also be willing to really struggle, like, and like pay the price at times when you, you take the risk and and you go out over your head and like I've had a lot of races like that too and it's it's not fun like it's mm-hmm. like really humiliating and like but um but honestly like I feel like uh the more freed up I get from fearing failure which has like been a journey for me ever since like doing the sport in high school mm-hmm. um like the more free I get like the more I can step out and take those risks with less to lose mm-hmm. and like and even when when they don't pan out and they go south like i can bounce back from a race like that just way faster like now it takes me like 24 or 48 hours and like i'm i'm like way back to myself versus like before i really like um that really set me back like i would be really really beating myself up and like really feeling like i let people down and all these things and so yeah i think that's one of one of them for sure is like learning um to get freed up from fearing failure and, and the marathon is like it did, I definitely didn't knock it out of the park the first time out like as I mentioned like my first one was a complete disaster and like 240 something like just like my leg went at like mile 10 from a really really hilly course and just was like there's nothing you can do about it at that point and um and so so yeah I think just learning to um but you know even in that first marathon like what I, um, I love the training for that race, like the buildup, like I love the 16 mile tempos and like two and a half hour hard long runs. And, and I, and so even though that was like a total disaster and really embarrassing, I was like, it didn't phase me as far as the marathon. Like I was like, you know what, like I can, I know why this went the way it did, but like, I know I'm going to be good at this eventually or enjoy it at least eventually, because I really like loved the training from it. So I guess that's probably the first thing I learned was like um, fall in love with the process and the work, mm. you know, and then in, in that way, like no matter how the end result goes, it's worth it because like I love each marathon build up I do. I love like challenging myself and I love like all, the whole grind. And so even when like probably most of my marathons, like I fell short of like what I wanted or what I expected out of myself, but I still like. I wouldn't have changed anything. Like I loved the journey getting there. Um, yeah. But yeah, those are a couple things. I probably have like a thousand more. Yeah. Ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love that. I love the the enjoy like take enjoying the process. And I mean, I think that you would probably you can disagree with me if you like, but you would probably attribute to the to that um, as why your career has has been so long and so successful and. Um, you know, so many women in the sport look up to you um, and, you know, especially from, you know, watching, watching you uh, run races where you haven't um, reached, you know, at the Olympic trials, for example, you know, I, th- I feel like that one of the reasons people got so emotional watching you in London is because of how you bounced back after the Olympic trials and, mm. you know, that disappointment yeah. and, um, 
and you know as you say like 48 hours later you were talking about your next race and getting ready for the track and you know obviously that that because of COVID that um that didn't come about but then you know the London Marathon presented itself and then it's like here we go like I'm I'm not afraid to fail and um Mm. yeah yeah it's so um so inspiring and I want to um I'd like there's two things I'd love to more deeply understand about um just how you do it because I think um our audience are, are probably quite clear on the fact that um taking joy in the process is um a really great you know it's such a uh, an important part of you know um pursuing your potential and so on that I want to understand like the process is hard right like marathon training like I don't know if there are many more difficult things than <laughs> you know like um marathon training and so what where does the joy come from for you and what are you really searching for in it that gives it its purpose for you yeah that's that's a good question um I think it's a combination of like just kind of how I'm wired for one like I I kind of love physical challenge since I was young and Mm. I'm realizing now having kids like that's not always the case (laughs) um and Ryan was was similar I think probably what um what we bonded about initially but um you know when I was a kid like I would like be like I'm gonna try to like rollerblade to the beach and it's like 40 miles or something (laughs) and I would get like I would get like halfway there and I'd be like wait once I get there I'm gonna have to like rollerblade back too and I would like call my parents from a pay phone because this is like free cell phones but um you know just like stuff like that like um in like in junior high I started running and um and I would like run to practice and like do practice and you know it wasn't that much because it was like seventh grade and I would like run home and like do hill sprints like to failure on the way home and like I just like really loved like pushing myself and um and so I think that's kind of like a little bit weird but um no that's like why that's not weird I'm resonating (laughs) so much that I used to talk myself to to the bus stop every morning and sometimes deliberately miss the bus so that I could run to school and time myself um to get to school (laughs) so I was always also about you know challenging myself um as a kid so So, interesting so what I'm hearing is like the love of the challenge and love of exploring there's like this real appetite to explore limits you know and like and get to that failure and what is like is it a feeling that comes with that is it a a way you think about is it what does what does that bring that makes it worthwhile yeah um I think uh that's a good question I um I would say especially with the marathon what's been encouraging is like like I always loved running hard when I was racing on the track Mm. and like just all out repeats but I think what was like not quite as fun is like my marathon career is like I just wasn't improving at the same rate. Mm. So I would say that's kind of something that's been addictive with my marathon career is just like, I've seen like really linear improvement from each buildup. And I think, um, you know, it hasn't always manifested in the race itself, but like I've seen, like I'm able to get a little bit faster in my tempos, a little bit faster in my long runs. And it's like very incremental, but the marathon's such a long race that like a couple Mm. seconds a mile makes a big difference you know and Mm. um and so I think it's it's some that like I think just like the excitement to like show up at training seeing what I can do that day and usually it's it's faster than 
Um, yeah. And not always, right? Like you have days that are you're tired and, and that's not quite as fun. Um, but I still en- really enjoy like digging deep. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't really know what mm. it is about that, but I, I crave it. Like, like just tapering for the marathon. Like I'm already like miss it and like want to yeah. work out hard. And <laughs> I think that's probably why I end up like racing kind of soon after race after the marathon. Cause like, I'm like, man, I already tapered. Like I want to get back into hard training. Like I just love like that. Um, the process I guess so mm-hmm. yeah I think it's but like you said exploring limits kind of like I love to explore on runs just like exploring new places and like um like I'll get like hooked and I don't want to turn around and I think it's it's a similar feeling to of just like exploring how far you can take something mm-hmm. in your career and then even within the workout like how far you can push yourself and stuff mm-hmm. so yeah I, I, you've got that great quote. I'm going to make a dog's breakfast out of it, but it's, there's something about the seal, something to do with the ceiling and something to do with the foundation for the next marathon. You want to say? Right? Yeah. It's like, so we've heard you sort of say before that, how, you know, one day or one event, you know, what was the ceiling for that um, particular event, you know, in terms of your limit can become the kind of the foundation for the next, you know, it's almost like every time you find that upper limit, that almost becomes your new starting point. Is that, um, yeah. Understand that for you and and what you've come to learn about that. Um, so I actually got that image from my pastor, um, who was talking about something totally different. He was talking about how ideally like in, um, that with each generation, like, for your children, your ceiling will become their floor, right? The things you gain spiritually, like through experience and stuff, like you can pass on to them and that's just their starting point. And then they can like take it from there and run further and, and build on that. Um, And so, so I I believe that, you know, in the spirit, spiritual realm and and there's a lot of physical, you know, Mm. um, analogies too, with like wealth you create, you know, and you're giving your, your kids that, starting point to build from and stuff but um but then yeah I've seen that just in in my running it's kind of like from the marathon specifically like when I start a build up like I'm doing tempos pretty close to like the fastest I did them in the first build up and then I'm building on that throughout mm-hmm. the build up and um and and so one thing Ryan will always say it was out there is like this is just the new normal you know and it's yeah. like, cause sometimes you're like, wow, like, this is like, is this okay? Like I'm running a lot faster early on, but he's just like, almost like, don't make a big deal of it. This is just new normal, you know? And, um, and so, so yeah, I, I, um, I think that's what kept me going a lot in COVID too, is just seeing that, um, you build each build up builds upon the next, the last one. And so mm. it's like, even if I can't get a race in the rest of this year, like what I do now in training matters. Cause I'm going to be building on it for the future. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, you know, you guys have turned the, the term new normal into something positive because <laughs> obviously yeah. the new normal is just like, it just sounds like something to do with COVID and, you know, this is the new normal, but you know, like you guys, Ryan saying it to you and encouraging you with that to go, Hey, don't be afraid of this pace because this is what you're capable of now. This is the new normal, like Mm. just relax and go with it. And this is the athlete that you are now because you've reached, you know, you've been consistent over a number of years and 
um, you continue to show up. Yeah, totally. totally yeah. Um, you know, I think that really captures for me, like from the, um, the psychology side of it, it's like, that's what a growth mindset means, mm. you know, we're mm. like believing that you with effort and like intelligent, you know, intelligent effort and hard, you know, hard work, you can change, you can improve. And that's it applied to, you know, like every day it's saying, Hey, what I was capable of, you know, last time is my new starting point. And that like that process applied to anything in life, I think is what enables us. It's like a prerequisite for really exploring your potential because without that, without that mindset that the effort and the hard work doesn't become so rewarding, it doesn't become, uh, it's almost like there's a resistance around the effort. It's like, well, what's the point of working so hard if, if it's not going anywhere, if it's not, and so I think that's like that example you use is such the power of, of a growth mindset applied um, in life. You know, I love that image of one day the ceiling becomes the floor for, you know, the next day's floor. And it's like, you can keep building, keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the benefit of like um, endurance work, especially like you can keep building on it into later mm. ages, you know, like speed, yeah. I think, like there's only so long you can kind of increase your speed but like you know you look at someone like Kipchoge you know that's still getting faster and stuff and um and Sinead uh, fellow Aussie yeah I've been inspired by you know and um yeah she's incredible body yeah yeah you can just keep building that's exciting and um and on that note like what is what's next for you And, and not necessarily what's immediately next but when you look ahead to the future and, and bringing that mindset that you, that you embody around constantly exploring your limits, like, what are you, what are you, um, what are you hoping for? You know, what could be possible for you? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like I've already kind of run faster than I thought I would in the marathon, but, um, it's kind of helped me be like, yeah, just don't put these, preconceived expectations on yourself like mm. just like keep an open mind and um so so yeah I would you know I think what's next for me I would, I'd really like to take a stab at going under 220 yes. um that would be pretty meaningful um and I've, I've had some training that's kind of pointed to maybe being able to do that at, at some point you know it might not be like right now but um but in the near future like I feel like I could be ready to do that and I'm excited to um to go for that our our national record is 21936 mm. so um so yeah that's a challenging one like it's stuck around since 2006 um mm. for a reason and but uh but yeah I, i'm i think that like it's it, that's what kind of gets me up out of bed in the morning it's just um is yeah just like seeing workouts that point point to like maybe that being possible and um it's fun yeah <laughs> Yeah. and um the the second question i meant to ask before was about how you practically bounce back from disappointment so are you able to share maybe um you know an experience that comes to mind about where you really feel like it was one of those really disappointing heartbreaking days and just the process that you went through to kind of come out the other side of that and and get back to um you know feeling hopeful and moving forward again yeah 
Yeah. Um, you know, it really, um, my faith has been really huge for me in this. Um, and just like my relationship with God that, um, you know, I grew up in like the Christian faith and in like a pretty conservative Christian setting and, and my faith kind of evolved over the years. Like I would say, I'm not like at the same place I was at, um, when I grew up and stuff. And I think I just want to like qualify that to like, so I think sometimes you mentioned like God or Christianity and people just kind of like block things out. But, um, I think like, I'm always just similar with like running, like just evolving and learning and, mm. um, and as you have life experiences and stuff, but, um, but yeah, I think for me, it was really, um, like I'd always heard about the unconditional love of God, that there's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. And there's nothing you can do to make him like love you any less. He just loves you because he loves you. Yeah. And, um, and I'd heard that, but it really took um, like a lot of failure and kind of really reaching like rock bottom for mm. myself, which wasn't like very dramatic. Like I wasn't like addicted to drugs and homeless or something. Mm. But like for me, it was like I was really, um, really struggling to perform in my job, which was to perform. and. I was, um, I was not really happy where I was living. Like I was having relational issues with my coach. Like I had a lot of things that were just like, I was not thriving. And, um, and I really, it like God's love, like met me in that place. And, um, I had some really, really supernatural encounters with him. Mm-hmm. And like, I had a, a really bad Achilles tendon injury healed completely. Like I had, when people were praying for me, like, I had like just, yeah, some really cool, like crazy experiences. And, and I was like, never the same after that, like the way I saw running really shifted and, um, the pressure like that I put on myself and I felt from other people and stuff, like all of that, like really got a lot better. And I was able to really enjoy running for the gift that it was meant to be like, it was never meant to be a burden, you know, Mm -hmm. like it was meant to be a gift. And, um, and so so yeah, I think, and then anytime I failed after that, like increasingly, like I, I just got a lot better at, um, I think just being secure in God's love for me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, because I think um, really it's like when we fail, it's like our identity is threatened some, and like our connection to people is threatened, right? If like mm-hmm. there's people that love you conditionally based on like how well you do yeah. um, and, or you get really criticized you're you're under the limelight as a professional athlete and when you fail like you're going to be criticized like that's just how it is and uh and so so yeah it was like really getting secure in God's love for me and also like really experiencing Ryan's unconditional love too was really healing for me and so so to answer your question that was a long segue but um the the one example that comes to mind and it was really recent it was just um a year ago in the summer was in Australia my one of my favorite races um, I do. And, and uh, maybe like the only time I battled it out with Elsie actually <laughs> was <laughs> the Gold Coast um, half marathon. And, um, and yeah, last year I was really hoping to go for like a PR and I put a lot into it. And um, we just got this crazy storm in the race and we're like, it was just raining really hard. And like, it was like pretty deep water at periods. And, Mm. Um, and I just like, I did not really handle it that well. Like I was trying to like push on at the pace I wanted, but ended up really struggling. And, um, and so, 
after that race, I, I felt really bummed. Like I was like, man, we like flew halfway around the world here and like all that training like put into this. And like, I just ran like a couple minutes slower than my PR and just kind of like, could I have like handled that better? You know, you have all the what ifs, yeah. but um, how I, yeah, like I think for me, um, spending some time praying and like getting recentered um, with like God's love and also um, just this great metaphor I got from Ted Decker, this author saying like these things we do with re like running or these races, they're kind of like building a sandcastle, like in the grand scheme of things, like it's not going to matter that much. Like mm -hmm. it's going to get knocked down by the waves and like, but it's like the fun of building the sandcastle is like the point and yes. it doesn't make like, it's just like, it's like you you're building it together with God and you're just enjoying the beach and like, that's like a beautiful thing. And like, I, I kind of see my races now like that, where it's like, you're building something together and like, yeah, like it, it's going to get knocked down or it's not always going to work out, but it's like just the childlikeness that you mm. can just start building another scene castle the next day, you know? And, yeah. um, so that day I like, I woke up in Sydney and like had a bunch of really strong, delicious Australian coffee and like <laughs> just went out and was just like, just like having fun, like running hard, like super caffeinated, like all over <laughs> Sydney, like in the dark because I was jet lagged and, um, and, and just like remembering why I love running. Like I love pushing myself. I love exploring new places. Like, and like, I just love the act of running and like, and that alone, like it was less than 24 hours later, like I was already rebounding and thinking of what was next, dreaming of the next race. And and I actually got a text from Ryan too, as he, he was flying out, I was headed to Japan and he was flying home and he, he sent me this marshmallow song proud. And, and he was like, like, when I, when I listen to the song, I think of you and I'm so proud of you. Um, and like to have someone say that, like after your worst race of the year, you know, is yeah. like, so like, that's the kind of coaching and support people need is like, um, like calling out your potential and stuff at moments where you're struggling and, and just like loving you unconditionally mm -hmm. so so yeah all that to say that's kind of my process usually <laughs> yeah that's so encouraging and inspiring I mean I think as athletes and we can be so hard on ourselves and no one is as hard on ourselves as we are and I think yeah. it's it's so it's you know it's such an incredible blessing to to know that that deep love um of god and and obviously love for you, from your partner as well and um i i remember watching you in that gold coast um half marathon because i was pregnant at the time with sunny and yeah. um and so cheering you on from the sidelines but the first one of my favorite memories i think it's when we first met was racing alongside each other in 2015 in that same race in the gold yeah. coast and um we said uh, like you jess and i um all you know talked before the race and said we'd like to go under you know break 70 minutes um for for the race and we i remember running with a bunch of guys and they were all we we're on pace until about probably 15 kilometers we had about 6k to go and um i we I, like i noticed that the pace slowed a little bit and I could, I could see you kind of in the corner of my eye checking your watch. And, and then you, and then you said, um, you said, you know, the plate, the pace is slowing. We're not going to break 70. Should, should we go? And, um, I, I just, I remember that time. And I just think she's such a team player. 
because you could have just taken <laughs> off and and you know gone for broke and and gone for the win but you know you knew that Jess and I wanted to go under 70 um 70 minutes and you wanted to take us with you and yeah I always remember that and admire you um you for that mm. and I think um oh, thanks. I think we're ready for Rory's rap are we ready rap. it's Rory's birthday by the way Sarah too it's he's oh happy 45. birthday <laughs> <laughs> 45 today. No way. No, no. no. He's 29. He's a spring chicken. Uh, and on that note, yeah, seriously. Nice, nice segue. <laughs> and thanks for putting me on the spot. Sarah, I just want to um, want to kind of capture what we've spoken um, about today so that um, I think we can all kind of take, take stock um, about the, the insights that are captured and, and, and who you are and what you've shared today. And, you know, I just want to acknowledge from the start, like how personally inspired I am um, having watched, having watched that run the way that you finished that run so strongly and, mm. um, and then having heard what was underneath it today, like it's just so inspiring to connect with what's really possible when we take joy in the, the struggle, take joy in the hard work, you know, and we just, allow ourselves to take risks that um take risks by showing up and and really exploring what's possible not knowing full well what's going to happen you mm. know and just the the power of that you know and the, the power of what's possible when we embrace those unknowns with that kind of curious childlike mind that you were talking about before and we and we just and we just almost love the fact that we don't know what's going to happen and it could be great. It could be bad. And it's just that, that joy and the like, wow, this is difficult and unexpected. And like, <laughs> here I am. I just think that, you know, you don't have to be an athlete looking for your athletic potential for that to really, um, for that to really be a key to you, um, you know, a key to work with because whatever it is in life, if we're exploring our potential, there's unknown, there's risk, there's, we haven't been there before. That's like by definition, right? And I think yeah, the marathon is such a um, metaphor for life, you know, and in that way that it's like loving the process, loving the hard work and, and you know, exploring, going to places where you've never been before. So mm. I, I love that. And um, the other thing I think you really embody is um, is the combination of growth mindset and grit. So we talked about growth mindset before being like, you know, it's believing in that you can change with effort, you know, and, and it's like not seeing failure as something to fear, but seeing like um, seeing it as feedback that you can embrace to keep moving forward. And when growth yeah. mindset like that is combined with grit, which is passion and perseverance towards meaningful long-term goals, like that is such a powerhouse mm. um, combination for, um, for success, you know, and for, doing what we talked about before with um, embracing challenges and, and, you know, being in the struggle and, and actually finding joy in it. I think, you know, you, you have such a, yeah, you've just got this growth mindset, this grit that you just part of who you are. And um, that is contributed to, you know, you achieving what you've achieved, but I think way more importantly than what you've achieved and like not to take anything away from, 
what second place in the London Marathon means, let alone the rest of your career and what you've achieved, you know. Um, Not to take anything away from that, but to say, like, the journey that you've been on and, you know, the the life that you've carved out. Mm. And I know that, you know, there's so much we haven't covered about who you are and what you're doing in the world that, you know, like that mindset um, and, you know, that combination of growth mindset and grit, I think, has is really um your life is showing us what's possible when you live with those things Mm. and that's available to anyone you know like we can cultivate grit you know we can explore what we can explore passion we can explore um we can build perseverance by doing difficult things and learning to trust ourselves to do difficult things and we can develop a growth mindset by being aware of you know, when we're slipping into a fixed mindset and thinking that um, I just yeah. don't have what it takes, you know, and that self-awareness that sits behind all of this, I think um, is so evident in your story too. And um, and the last thing I want to capture is the power of perspective, you know, like I can just hear how you shift your perspective when things aren't, things don't go to plan. You've got this ability to show, okay, I can see beyond today, you yeah. know, I can see, further ahead and and although you don't know exactly what's going to happen there's like this hope and perspective that enables you to be resilient and you know perspective and hope are foundational for resilience and so I think you know there's so much that you that you that you really embody and um we just appreciate you taking the time to share um some some of that with us so that we can reflect more deeply on where we're at, who we are and, and who we're becoming and, and exploring those, those limits of, of what's possible for us. Oh, thank you. I feel so encouraged by that. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Sarah. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you and um, hopefully in the future soon, we'll be able to line up again together and, um, and tough it out. I hope so too. Maybe on a, on a track. That'll yeah. Be- a new change of pace. That's <laughs> great awesome. to meet your face. Great yeah. to meet you. Great to meet you. And and just before we go, um, where can people find you to follow along with, you know, there's so much more ahead for you. Um, how can how can we best follow your journey? Yeah. Um, well, I'm on socials at, at Sarah Hall Three. And uh yeah, we have um our charity, the Hall Steps Foundation at, at Steps Foundation. And um and then my husband's at Ryan Hall Three. Post a lot too, so yeah, thanks. <laughs> Great. Great, um, thanks so much. And and just really quickly, if you don't mind, um, tell us about the charity and and um, what that involves and how people can get involved. Sure, yeah. Um, we started the Postups Foundation really to marry our our desire to help people living in extreme poverty, and we've done some work in the U.S., but it's been primarily focused on East Africa and and now Ethiopia with our kids. Um, coming from Ethiopia we have four biological sisters that we adopted um, from Ethiopia five years ago and they're 10 to 20 years old now mm. um, and so yeah our uh, right at the moment we're um, we're doing a lot of stuff with like sustainable orphan care work and vo- working with vulnerable children in Ethiopia um, there's like four to five million orphans estimated in the country and there's um, over 60,000 kids living on the streets of just the capital city alone, Addis Ababa. Mm-hmm. And uh, so actually through London Marathon, I um, 
I had a fundraiser going to um, specifically work with the kids living on the streets in Addis and, and creating a better life for them and a safe um, house for girls. And, you know, a lot of the kids, they're, they're sexually abused. They end up um, kind of addicted to like sniffing glue and stuff to deal with the hunger they're experiencing. And some of the girls even have to turn to like prostitution and stuff. So it's really, really heartbreaking. Like I can't imagine like a worse kind of scenario for a kid. And so, um, so yeah, it was really awesome to see the running community step up and um, blow that fundraiser out of the water. And, um, and so I want to keep, keep moving forward. And, um, and we hope to be able to be doing the work ourselves in Ethiopia one day. Um, right now our, our kids want to be in the U S but I'm pushing them to, to be over there at least like half the year and stuff. So that's, that's the hope in the future. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And, and like, congratulations on all that you've, you've set up there. And then we wish that, you know, you all the best with the continued work there and we'll, mm. we'll definitely link, um, link to those, those relevant links so that anyone listening can, can check out, follow along and support the great work that you're doing in the world. Thanks guys.